the pattern for many leaders is to be exalted in life and forgotten after death. The pattern for all who serve God, famous or obscure, respected or ignored, is that death is the door to glory. With those words, the Archbishop of Canterbury, of the Church of England, began what I thought was a rather brief sermon on the occasion of the funeral of the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth. That funeral was just this past Monday. Now, I didn't tune in to watch the funeral live, but lots of people did. They say that it may have been the most watched televised event ever. I did watch it after the fact because I think like a lot of people, I was kind of curious about what exactly would take place, about some of the pageantry involved in something like a state funeral. I really wondered what was going to be said during that service. And I think many of us simply recognize that the fact that Queen Elizabeth's reign had come to an end, the longest reign for any monarch in England's history, well, that's just a historic occasion. I would also say I was impressed by what I heard in the sermon and by what I heard in the service. Biblical comfort regarding the resurrection and eternal life was shared, and all of that based on the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I was pleased, even if I was a bit surprised by this, in part because I, I think I expected something a little different. I thought I'd probably hear more about what a wonderful person the queen had been, what amazing things she had done, what a huge loss it is to the world that she passed on. I expected that if there were any mention about eternal life, that maybe the suggestion would also be given that, well, if anybody earned it, she had. And I was glad to have been mistaken about those things. And I guess, I suppose, I expected those things because so many people have so many bad or wrong or false ideas about what really makes a difference in life and in death. In Luke chapter 16, the gospel we heard just a little bit ago, Jesus told a story about life and death issues. It's interesting that this story is not called a parable in Scripture. It has a lot of features that make people think that maybe it was a parable. In other words, maybe Jesus did indeed make up this story just to teach a lesson. But it's also possible, and people wonder whether this was a true story, something that actually happened and Jesus was just using it to still teach people. Now, there are some details that would make us wonder about those things, but it doesn't really matter because what matters is Jesus is teaching some very clear truths about things that are important 
and specifically things that are important when it comes to eternal life. And what he tells us encourages us to live like Lazarus. So how did Lazarus live? First of all, he suffered patiently on earth. Lazarus, as you heard, was a poor beggar. He had sores all over his body that were licked by the dogs. He, he longed for just scraps of food that might fall from a table. His sort of existence was one that nobody would uh, desire or strive for. He was in pain. He was hungry. He begged for any little bit of mercy that somebody might be able and willing to give him. Most of the time, Lazarus did this right outside the mansion of the very rich man in Jesus' story. In that story, the rich man doesn't even have a name. But he has everything else. He had the fancy clothes. He had the gourmet food. In today's terms, we would think of him having the, the fancy fast car and the biggest television of anybody that we know. Whatever else constitutes luxury. He was able to very successfully avoid any concerns about that dirty beggar at his doorstep as he went on enjoying his feasting and his extravagance. Now, there are plenty of people who, who look at this story that Jesus told and they come to the conclusion that what Jesus is teaching is rich people are bad and poor people are good. That's not it. They know that Jesus says the rich man ends up in hell, that the poor man ends up in heaven, and so they maybe assume or infer those things. They sometimes even think of heaven or hell as just sort of cosmic payback. It evens things out. If you had riches and luxury on earth, well, then you have to suffer afterwards. And if you suffered on earth, well, then you might get good things and be rewarded. That's not it either. You can clearly tell. Jesus is making a different point. After all, it's not just rich or poor because there's Abraham in heaven. And we learn from Scripture, he was a very rich man while he lived on earth. No, living like Lazarus means that we take the attitude that he did. He patiently suffered when that was his lot in life. We don't know why he was in the situation he was in, whether he had made some poor choices earlier in his life that had gotten him to that point, or if he had just been mistreated by somebody else that, that forced him into begging for his food. We don't know anything about how he ended up there. What we know is that he put his faith into action. Lazarus didn't assume that he needed riches, or he needed luxury. When he suffered, he still trusted that God would take care of him and that God would ultimately bring him to heaven. 
He knew that those riches and that luxury, those things couldn't possibly do him any good after his death. You know that's the case too. The rich man couldn't take any of his riches with him. Queen Elizabeth couldn't take any of the rich treasury of the royal family with her after her death. None of those things mattered in the long run. Lazarus suffered patiently on earth, and he was comforted forever in heaven. Again, we don't know whether this glimpse that Jesus gives us into heaven in his story really shares details that will apply to us, but we do know certain things that are explained here will be consistent with our experience. Things like what Abraham explains when he says, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, then Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in misery. Besides all this, a great chasm has been set in place between us and you so that those who want to cross from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross, cross over from there to us. Some lessons we learn. The judgment is permanent. Heaven or hell. Comfort or misery. The reason we want to live like Lazarus is so that we end up in the eternal comfort of heaven just like Lazarus did. But please don't misunderstand that. Don't be mistaken. His suffering didn't earn him heaven. Lazarus was willing to patiently endure suffering because that was a fruit of his faith. His faith and the eternal life in heaven were God's gifts to him, gifts purely of God's grace. And these are gifts that God has given to us too, gifts that are more important than, than any earthly thing, than any potential riches, than anything we might set our hopes on. Those are the gifts that we should focus on. Those are the gifts we should think about when we're perhaps tempted to act more like the rich man. He ignored constant opportunities to show compassion and to use his, his riches for helping and serving others. Now, being rich isn't sinful, but being selfish is. That selfish attitude and selfish actions certainly were. But the key, the real key to making sure we understand the lessons of Jesus' story correctly, it's really found at the very end of the story. The rich man asks that his brothers might be spared the same fate as him by sending Lazarus back to them. The rich man supposes that if the beggar whom they all apparently knew had come back to life, well, that would convince those brothers to change their ways. But Abraham explains that this wasn't the case. He says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. 
And he goes on to explain, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Moses and the prophets. That's a term for Scripture. It's what we would call the Old Testament because at the time of Jesus' story, the New Testament hadn't been written. What Abraham says, what Jesus teaches, is that God's Word is the power that He uses to change lives. There's an unspoken implication that we've actually already touched on, that Lazarus knew God's Word and believed it. We certainly know from Scripture that Abraham believed God's promises. In other words, it's important for us to recognize that Lazarus was saved the same way that we are saved. He believed God's promise to send a Savior. We know and believe that that Savior has come, that He is Jesus Christ, who not only taught these things, but also went to His death on the cross in order to keep God's promises and in order to take away all sin. And that changes everything. That changes everything for us. That changes the way that we understand the story that Jesus tells Live like Lazarus means first, listen to God's Word. Listen to Moses and the prophets. Listen to the Bible. And that means more than just hear the words, hear what it says, know something about it. It means believe it. Trust it. Trust Jesus. Trust Him because you need Him. Because you know that you haven't lived up to the the perfect standard of selfless service. Trust Him because when you've been called on to suffer, you haven't always borne it patiently. Trust Him because you know you are a sinner and you know you need Him. Trust Him because He died for you and He rose again. Trust Him enough to to put the needs of others above your own. Trust Him enough to ignore the, the lure of worldly wealth and luxury because you understand that it won't do you any good at the time of your death. Lazarus listened to Moses and the prophets. And that's why he suffered patiently when suffering was his lot in life. It's why he was comforted forever in heaven. The rich man did not listen to Moses and the prophets. That's why he ignored the needs of others as he enjoyed the wealth of this world. Those things, those factors that were so important to him and are important to many others in this life had no value to him at the end of his life. But the suffering and the pain that Lazarus, uh, the pain that Lazarus experienced and seemed like it would completely ruin his life, well, those things were worth facing as they led to his eternal life. Over 4.1 billion people, they say, tuned in to watch the funeral service for the queen this past Monday. 
they were reminded by that very event that the end of this life is going to come for all of us, no matter what position we are in, no matter what our lot in life is. And of course, the queen's outward circumstances, well, they seem a lot closer to those of the rich man than to those of poor Lazarus. But the outcome of her life is based on something else. Did she listen to God's word and take it to heart? I was encouraged to hear in that service what others said about her. And I pray that what was said about her was true. And if it is, then what ended her funeral and how it concluded, those words are accurate and can then remind us to live like Lazarus. Here's what was said at the end. We will all face the merciful judgment of God. We can all share the queen's hope, which in life and death inspired her servant leadership, service in life, hope in death. All who follow the queen's example and inspiration of trust and faith in God can say with her, we will meet again. That's the goal. Eternal life with all of God's people to be carried on the wings of angels to Abraham's side. That's why in faith we want to live like Lazarus. Amen.